Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to First. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Um, do you guys remember doing group projects back in the day, whether it was middle school, high school, college, all that type of stuff? You, you walk into the classroom and the teacher says, all right, class, we've got this, this new project that, that we need you all to do. And you kind of are like, oh, another big project. And then they say, but it's going to be a group project. And some of you are like, yes, I love group projects because you're an extrovert and you love working with people. And then some of you, the wise people who learned over the day, they're like, not another one. Because <laughs> it means I'm going to do all the work and I'm not going to get any of the credit, Right? You see, a group project, it's kind of like playing the lottery. There's always like these, these cast of characters that always exist together. There's, there's the, what I call the silent killer. That's the person who doesn't do any of the work, but then shows up the day up, presents the project, and gets all the glory, and everybody was like, yeah, you crushed it. And then all of his teammates are like, come on, bro, what the heck? You know, there's the person who does all the work, and, and everybody just kind of keeps pushing them stuff on them. You've got the person who literally does nothing and just is kind of like, whatever happens, happens. I'm cool with it and whatnot. And then you've got the one who kind of has a, a specific opinion of the way that the project should go, and they just can't let it go. They're outnumbered three to one, like, every single time, but they just can't, can't play along well with everybody. I remember one of the group projects that I had in middle school. I came home, and I, and I threw my, my backpack on the couch, and I sat down, and, 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 and my mom was kind of like, Eric, wh wh what's wrong? What's going on? Uh, how did the project go? And I said, Mom, we got to see. And she goes, you got to see what happened. You worked so hard. I was like, yeah, I did, but nobody else. I said, can you believe this guy? He showed up, and he didn't do any work, but he got all the credit, and, and our project was good. And, and then the teacher just said, congratulations, you get a seat, because everybody else failed. And I was like, Mom, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not the way it should go. If you work hard, you should be able to get the grade that you deserve. Now, my mom is a very kind, loving compassionate person. And so I'm expecting her to be like, you know what, Eric, you're right. I'm, what's the name of your teacher again? I'm going to look her up and call her and be like, you give everybody else S, but you give, give my son an A because he worked hard. And that didn't happen. She just kind of goes, that's life, and walked away. And I was like, wait, mom, you're supposed to nurture me in this moment. And that's kind of the way that life goes sometimes. We, we have these moments, we have these situations, we have these people, these scenarios that just are unfair. Whether we deserve the unfairness or not, life kind of hits us in unfair reasons. We can ask the questions of why is there so much randomness that seems to exist in the world? You see, if you went to the, the author of Ecclesiastes, if you went to the, the teacher and you kind of gave him this sob story about the unfairness you've experienced in life, his answer would kind of just be, Sorry, bro, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck next time, kiddo, because sometimes that's just life. Because in this life, we cannot 100% control and project how things will pan out. There are times, there are moments where we make all of the right choices and something still goes wrong. There are times, there are situations, there are people who make a lot of poor choices, and yet somehow things still go their way and work themselves out despite all of those things. This idea of unfairness plagues every single one of us and it plagues our society. See, unfairness is simply something that isn't, something that isn't the way that it should be. That something has happened. Whether the unfairness is for you or against you, unfairness is this idea, it's this, this thing that happens to all of us and that's kind of the big setup for today is what do we do with unfairness in this life? What do we do with the notion of good things happening to bad people and bad things happening to good people? What do we do when life hits us with an unfair moment? 
So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been going through our series titled Meaningless. We've been touring through the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible, Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. If you open it halfway, you'll get to the book of Psalms. Go to the right, you'll hit Proverbs a few more pages, and you'll get to the book of Ecclesiastes. As you're turning there, the book of Ecclesiastes was written by who we believe to be Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, and we're reading kind of his journal, and he went on this, this search for meaning in life, and he He's trying all these different things, trying to find what is of meaning, what is of gain everlasting in this life. And that's where this word meaningless, it comes from this Hebrew word hevel that shows up over and over and over and over again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Last week we talked about what is the meaning of, of, of stuff, of things in this life, and, and, and they, our, our teaching team shared with us that's this idea that stuff, it doesn't bring you ultimate satisfaction in this life. And so today, it's another big question. It's, I think it's a question of why, but I think it's also a question that deters a lot of people from faith. It's a question that a lot of people ask, and it's kind of the trump card they like to place in front of God and say, God, if you're good, if you're real, why does evil exist? God, if you truly care about your creation, if you truly care about me, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? God, if you're real and you're alive and you're watching, are you really cool with everything that's happening? And we're going to kind of dive into that today. So Ecclesiastes chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 12. Follow along with me. He starts by saying this. He says, although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time. And I'm going to stop right there. Because he's just laying out there for us a very particular sentence that we can all relate to. It's this idea of a wicked person. Somebody who has done wrong, who continues to receive blessing and, and fruit in life, if you will. You see, he says there's a wicked person who has committed a hundred crimes. That's a lot. <laughs> A hundred is a lot. It's not somebody, oh, here's this person who messed up once. Here's somebody who kind of, you know, they messed up once. They made a mistake, but they learned and grew. From. No, this is a hundred times the same person committing the same crime a hundred times over. This person has chosen to make the same intentional mistake time and time and time and time and time and time and time. And time and time. You, get the, you get the idea. And it's in this moment that a lot of us are going to be like, wait, wait, there should be justice for this man. There should be something that happens to him as a result of his crime. But the thing that makes us shout unfair isn't the fact that this guy has committed the same crime a hundred times over. It's the fact that he gets to live a long life. See, a lot of us, we, we, we hear of something like this and we, we step back and we say, God, time out, God, God, God. That is not fair. It's not fair for that man. It's not fair for us a hundred times and he still gets to live a long life. Are you watching this? Is your TV on to world TV and seeing what's happening down here? A hundred times. Why is this happening? We shout unfair, unfair. This is not fair. The truth is, don't we all have unfair stories in this life? Some of us have ones that are deeper than others. Some of us may have a few more unfair stories than others, but don't we all have them? I don't know what your unfair story in life may be. Maybe there's the time that somebody else got the job that you worked harder for and the person they promoted was the one who cut all the corners. 
Maybe it was the time growing up and your parents decided that, that being committed to one another and love was no longer an option and they decided to get a divorce and nobody asked you about your thoughts and your feelings. Maybe your unfair story is that person in your life that you love so dearly, the person that pours themselves out for you, the sweetest, kindest, most loving person, but they're the one who gets cancer and has to go through the pain and suffering in this life. I could tell you about my unfair stories. I could tell you about the time my dad was taken from me as a young boy from cancer. I could tell you about the unfair things that happened to me right after that. I could tell you about the time after I graduated high school and I was in a freak surfing accident that left me blind in one eye. I know you guys know a lot about surfing here in the Midwest. I don't know what your unfair story is in life, but I do know that you have one, maybe two, maybe three. And some of them, some of them hurt really bad. Some of them may be a result of your choices. Some of them may be a result of someone else's choices. Some of them, it just might have happened, and you just, you just don't know why, and you want to ask over and over again. But regardless of who you are, regardless of your life, you all have those moments where you say, God, time out. Unfair, God. Unfair. This is not fair. See, shouting unfair is the same thing as shouting something's broken. See, shouting unfair is like saying something is broken. God, something has happened the way that it shouldn't have. Something is, is going on that kind of breaks the order, breaks the norm. It just breaks through things that the way they, I just learned something is off. God, why? This is not fair. And that's the question that deters a lot of people from following a relationship with God. They say, if God is real, if God is good, if God is just, why does evil exist? Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? And they say, so therefore God must not be real. But if you take the logic and you reverse it, if you're shouting unfair, if you're shouting something's broken, if something is unjust, what you're really saying is that there is a rightness, there is a fairness, that there is a justness to life that just hasn't been met. And if that's the case, then someone, some point in time, had to create a sense of order, a sense of rightness, a sense of justice, in order for you to, oh my goodness, something is broken here, something is off. But it's this idea that life isn't always carried out equally. So where does the unfairness come from? Where does the unfairness that we all go through in life come from? See, it goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. See, in, in Genesis chapter 1, we're introduced to the almighty God, the sovereign, all-powerful God of the universe, who says, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth. I'm going to create everything uh, with dominion. I'm going to create mankind in my image. And he creates in this Hebrew word, shalom. It's this gorgeous Hebrew word. It's my favorite word in all of scripture. It's this word that means peace. It means perfection. It means unity. But it also means harmony. You see, God created the world and he created me and you to live in a shalom with him, in a relationship with him, in peace in him, in, in harmony with one another, in harmony with the world. But then you turn a few pages and then you have Adam and Eve and then Eve does the one thing she was told not to do. You have all of this order, you have all of this care and provision from God. The one thing you don't do, Eve, is go to the tree and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Eve gets tempted uh, by, by Satan and she goes and she grabs the fruit. She takes a bite and hands it to Adam because he's a dumb man. He does what she says and, and we all go along with it, right? And so then all of a sudden, the shalom is broken. 
The peace that once was is no longer there. The harmony that once was is no longer there. The perfection, the order that once was is no longer there. But life still goes on. See, it reminds me of this time. Uh, my, my wife was out of town, and I'm at home, and I'm like, you know what? I could really use some tea right now. Don't take my man card. I enjoy tea. It's cool, all right? And so I'm like, you know what? But I don't really want to boil some water. Like, that's a ton of work. i got to get out a pan and put in water and put it on the stove. Like, that's a lot of work. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the cabinet, get my mug down, and I fill up with water, and I go and put it in the microwave. And then I get this brilliant moment. And I think to myself, you know what I could do? I could just put the tea bag into the mug, and as the water's here, yeah, right? You, you see where this is going. And, and so I put it in, and I just hit the two-minute button. I walk away. I'm like, sweet, in two minutes, I'm going to have some tea. I get my, my uh, Winnie the Pooh honey out, and I sit in, and I'm just kind of sitting there waiting. I'm going to enjoy this tea. And about like 45 seconds in, I'm just kind of sitting in the other room, and I just hear this, bop, 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 and I'm like, ah, somebody's shooting at me. Get down. What's going on? I'm freaking out, right? And then I realize, oh, it's the microwave. So I go to the microwave, and, and I pop open the door, and it's, it's sparking, and it's smelling, and it, I kind of see stuff. I'm like, what happened? I know how to work a microwave. I'm like that competent. And then I pull out the tea bag. Did you guys know that there's a staple in a lot of tea bags? Because <laughs> I do. From that day forward, the microwave, it still worked. You'd go heat up your, your lean cuisine. You'd heat up last night's spaghetti or whatever. You know, you heat up in the microwave water with no tea bag. But it would still randomly pop just for no reason. You'd just be going, and two minutes in, you'd just hear this, Bleep! and you'd be like, oh, boy. You'd open the microwave. It would smell. There was, like, little spark marks all over the inside of the microwave. The thing about this microwave, it still worked, but it was broken. It was no longer fair. It was no longer in the order that it was designed and created to be. It still worked, but it was also broken at the same time. The microwave's life could go on and continue to heat things up, but it wasn't the way that it designed it to be. It's kind of like creation. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20 and 29 puts it this way. It says, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never since. Verse 29 then says, This I have found. God created mankind upright. But they have gone in search of many schemes. This harkens back to week one when we talked about this question that he's looking to answer. He says, Who can straighten what is crooked in this life? So where does the unfairness, where does the brokenness of life come from? It comes from shalom no longer being the way it is. It comes from sin. You see, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all choose sin. Sometimes sin chooses us. Our sin sometimes affects other people. And sometimes the sin of other people affects us. That sin creates in us a brokenness that we can still go through life, but it's broken. But that same brokenness has affected the entire world. And the teacher of Ecclesiastes, he's affirming this unfairness of life. And he goes on, he puts it this way. And then he says that I know that it will go better. Everybody say better. With those who fear God and are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, 
It will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. So he lays out that first thing. You've got this wicked man who commits a lot of crimes and still has a a long life. And that's when a lot of us shout, God, unfair, unfair. And then he says, he says, okay, well, here's a solution. But what we often want is not a solution. It's an answer, right? When we ask that question of why, what we often want is an answer, but not a solution. But he begins to lean into this. He says, life will be better. He doesn't give you a neat, tidy answer. He's kind of saying, because shalom is broken, because things aren't the way they should be, I can't answer the why. I can't give you an answer, but I can give you a solution of how to live through life with the unfairness. You see, rather than giving you an answer, he says, here's how to live amidst all of the unfairness of life. And he says, live fearing God and being reverent to him, and your life will be better. I did a word search on this word better, the Hebrew word better. You guys don't want to know what it means? It means better. <laughs> what it doesn't mean is easy. It doesn't mean cush. It just says better. It's a, it's a connotation. It has this, this word of hope attached to it. And he says, in the midst of unfairness, I can't give you an answer as to why, but what I can do is give you a solution of how to live a better life amidst it all. It's a command. He's saying the greatest way to live this life, even amidst all of the unfairness that you will go through, all of the questions of why, when you see all the good things that happen to bad people and all the bad things that happen to good people, the solution is to pursue God. He says, because the wicked, their days will be like a shadow. That's a reference that literally and figuratively, when the sun goes down, At the end of the day, and the end of a life, a shadow is no more. And what he's saying is there is eternal hope, there is an eternal perspective that will help you live life better, even though you might not have all of the answers. He's posing this question. How will you choose to go through unfairness in this life? He's kind of saying you've got two options. You can live in the fear of God, in reverence of God, or you can live your life like a shadow. He goes on, let's put it this way, verses 14 and 15, chapter 8. He says, there's something else that is meaningless. There's that word meaningless, that hevel. It's that word that means puff of smoke. It means vapor. It's unclarity. It's frustration. It means there is no meaning yet to be found. He said, there's something else meaningless that occurs on earth, that the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. Allah, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And he says, this too, I say, is meaningless. What he's saying is there, I don't know Why? Just so I commend the enjoyment of life. Because there is nothing better. There's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and be glad. That's a a phrase that means finding the provision of God. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 1 when God said to his creation, eat, drink, and be glad for the things that I have created before you then joy will accompany them in all of their toil, all the days of their life. God has given them, that God has given them, that God has given them under the sun. 
It's meaningless, he says. I don't know. I don't have an answer why the righteous get what the wicked deserve and the wicked get what the righteous deserve. He kind of just says, that's just life. That's That's a result of the brokenness that affects us all. He's kind of saying, though, do you want to be burdened by that? Do you want to be frustrated by that? Do you want to lose hope because of that? Do you want to lose meaning because of that? Do you want to spend all your time spinning your wheels, trying to find an answer, trying to find a neat and tidy solution that you're never going to get? Because that's just life. Jesus even put it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, when he said, He, being God, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That God provides and sometimes life just happens. So his solution, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, his solution, not an answer. His solution is, so enjoy life and the things that God has given unto you. Fear God, be reverent to God, seek God, and amidst your toil, enjoy the contentment, the provision that he has given to you. Try to trust God, enjoy what you can, and endure the unfair. It's a solution. It's not an answer, but it's a solution. See, it all comes full circle. It all comes back to living in harmony with God, living in shalom with God. You see, I have given to them, meaning God has given us life. And the author of Ecclesiastes is putting it this way. Amidst all of the unfairness, the best thing you can do in life is to enjoy what life he has given to you. That life is a gift from God to be enjoyed with God. Life isn't a gift from God to enjoy it how you see fit. Life is better. Life is best. Life carries hope and meaning and and direction and eternal satisfaction when it is better with God. So how do I do that? If the whys of life's most frustrating and and confusing questions can't be answered, How do I go about this life enjoying God? How do I fear God and still deal with the unfairness of this life? Let me put it this way. It's like you've been given this set of blocks. And let's call this your life. Let's call this the things that you've been given. And you can tell by the way these these blocks were created that there's a certain order that they're supposed to be stacked and played with. That that the little little bump goes under the other bump and there's a certain way that, that life needs to be played for it to be fair, if you will. And so you do, you say, God, I believe you, I'm gonna trust you. And what happens in life is you go through life and you're playing with the, the things that God has given, but you're doing the best you can to keep them in the way that it's supposed to be done. And so you're kind of stacking your blocks and you're like, hey, I'm not perfect. I've, I've made a few mistakes. The world is broken, I'm broken. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's not terrible. It's not perfect, but it's not bad. And you're going through life. And then all of a sudden you have this two-year-old who decides his favorite game in the world is to play, let's knock over the tower. And he just comes and he says, oh, that's a cool tower. These are your things in life. Maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's a strong gust of life that for no apparent reason comes in and you say, God, I was playing so well. What happened? This is not fair. 
This is unfair. And when you're shouting unfair because of the things that happened to your life, you look over and you see somebody else. And they're playing with their blocks of life. And they're stacking them and stacking them and stacking them. And then you, you get a glance at it and you say, God, are you seeing this? Are you seeing the crimes of the wicked person a hundred times over? Are you seeing the brokenness? Are you seeing the choices that they're making? But guess what? They don't have an annoying little two-year-old who comes over and knocks it over. They don't have a dog that just wags their tail. They don't have a gust of life. And then you begin shouting, God, God, it's not fair. Look, it's so out of order. It's so out of whack. It's so out of place. And so you're not only shouting unfair about your blocks that got unfairly knocked over. You're shouting unfair because the person who is living life way out of order, their life still seems to be working somehow. And before you know it, you are so consumed, you are so frustrated, you're so wore out, shouting unfair, that you forget to enjoy what God has placed before you. You forget to say, God, thank you for these blocks. Thank you for the provision of life that you have given unto me. That doesn't make unfairness easy. That doesn't make it better. Meaning it's going to be 100% perfect. But saying, God, I'm going to enjoy the things that you have given to me amidst the unfairness, the things that I can and can't control, because it's going to be better. Which sounds better in this life? Do you want to be weary and frustrated trying to answer the question of why that you will never get? Or would you rather enjoy God and the blocks that he has given you in this life. While unfairness may frustrate you, while it may tempt you to turn your back from God, let me remind you of another thing that's really unfair. And that's the grace of Jesus. Because we are sinners, because we are broken, our status before God is unfairness. That we cannot fairly stand before God. We cannot fare our way back into a relationship with God. We cannot fairly stand in the presence of God and say, I deserve to be here. And so because our status is unfair, it was going to take something also unfair to, 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 to take it away, to balance it back out. And grace is this word that means unmerited favor, that you did nothing to deserve it, and it is freely given. That is also unfair, but that unfairness works on our behalf. You see, in a world of unfairness seeking fairness, Jesus sought out unfairness to deliver fairness for us before God. In a world of unfairness seeking fairness, people are on Twitter and they're Facebook and they're arguing and they're trying to make the world right and just and orderly again. And what they realize, they're, they're kind of just making it worse because everybody just types in all caps and they're all just angry. It's not really helping. In a world of unfairness, Seeking fairness, Jesus, the fairest man who ever lived, the fairest man who deserved nothing, said, I'm going to come to this world. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to be unfairly accused. I'm going to be unfairly beaten. I'm going to be unfairly mocked. I'm going to be unfairly cast aside. I'm going to unfairly die on a cross. Break my bones. Shed my blood so that I can give to every single person who realizes life is unfair, but they want to have that shalom back with God, that they can receive it and be fair in front 
of God. How do you fear God and enjoy life amidst the unfairness? Remember the unfairness of God's grace. When the unfairness of life hits you, and sometimes it can hit you really hard. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. Sometimes you have to remember that's just life. And I know that's not the answer we like. I know that's not the answer that we're looking for. I know that's not the answer I want to give, but that's sometimes the answer. But remember, it's because of that unfairness that Jesus experienced the unfairness of his life, his death, so that he could rise again and give you new life and fairness with God. So that our life is not like a shadow that goes when the day ends. Ecclesiastes sums it up. He says, enjoy the unfair life, but enjoy it with the unfair love of God. Because in the end, God is still God, even when life doesn't make sense. Moving to a time of response this morning. And I want to bring your, your mind back to that question. I don't know what your unfair story is in this life. I don't know what you're going through right now, what you have gone through. Maybe there's an unfair thing that is still lingering and it's nagging at you. I'm sorry for that. That hurts. It's never fun. Sometimes that's just life. Sometimes that's a result of your brokenness. Sometimes that's a result of somebody else's brokenness. And you can spend all that time seeking an answer, but you'll probably never get it. Or you can say to God, God, I trust you. I trust that life with you is better, despite the unfairness. And as the band gets ready to lead us in a few songs, we get to remember and to respond to that unfairness this morning. We get to come to the table for communion that we remember the unfairness of Jesus' body that was broken, his blood that was spilt on your behalf, and that we gather to remember that. So those of you who are believers of Jesus, that you have said, you know what, God, life is unfair, but I want to go through it with you on my side. I believe that you are better. I believe that your plan is better. I trust you. We invite you to partake of communion whenever you're ready. There's unfairness of life that comes with it, and we talk about connection cards. And if you need prayer, you want to talk, we'd love for you to fill that out and drop it in the giving and respond boxes. Some of you have also decided that even in the midst of the things that you can't control, one of the things that you know that you can control to an extent is giving back to God, giving the things that he has given unto you. And you've decided that this morning you're going to partake in worship by giving back to God. And that's you this morning as well. Whether it's through the Give app or you brought it with you, we invite you in this time to respond right now or on your way out the doors just to drop either those connection cards or your offering in those boxes this morning. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I need to enjoy life. I need to loosen my grip on this unfairness. I need to say, God, help me find peace and love. Help me trust in the unfairness of Jesus that has made me fair before you. We have prayer benches at the front of the room here. If you need to pray and you need to pray and say, God, 
Help me with this. If you need to say, God, I want to learn more about this eternal fairness that I get through your son. If you just need to say, God, I'm here to worship you in prayer. I need help. I need guidance. We encourage you to come forward, kneel at these altars and pray as you're led. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning and respond to the word of God? Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy. I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful that even in the unfair moments of life, that it's an opportunity, it's a chance to let the unfairness of your grace shine even brighter. That even though we may not ever have an answer, may we live in that solution that life with you is better. Be with us this morning as we respond to your word.